0: Greetings, Rachel Jake Here, Brace Belden, uh, the gay pussy eater, whatever you want to call me. But I, I come to you with my hat, in my hands, and my hands also over my heart. It's like a, it's like a heart thing. Anyways, I'm having heart palpitations. I, I, I gotta talk to you. The, uh, there is a very important election coming up here in San Francisco. Uh, our, our my, my district supervisor, Dean Preston, who newly elected as of last year. Passed the strongest uh, tenant protections in all of the country during COVID. Really strong socialist supervisor is basically under financial assault from some of the biggest scumbags in the country. Not even just in San Francisco. I'm talking John Pritzker is donating to this thing. But what is this thing? This thing is a giant fucking super PAC that is spending 3.8 million dollars against him uh, and 4 million dollars against his measure. I. It's a it's a, a, a proposition he put on the ballot. To, uh, to basically charge real estate speculators a tax that would pay everyone's back rent in San Francisco who was not able to pay it during COVID and then would later be used to fund social housing. This has not proved popular amongst the kind of people that we make this podcast about. And they are putting more money against him than I think anyone's ever put against a single candidate in the entire city's history. The guy's only been in office a year. Anyways, as you can imagine, we do not have much money. And so if you could go, if you were one of those money bag Cayman Islands type true on listeners, you got to go to VoteDean.com. I'm not spelling that out for you. You know how to spell both those words. VoteDean.com slash donate. Donate some fucking money. If you live in San Francisco and you want to uh, possibly kill a podcaster that you like kind of stalk, uh, you know, taxi driver style for a while, you know, seeing him at various political events and then try to eventually fail shooting him. You can also hit get involved there, and, uh, and I will see you at some sort of rally, something like that. Uh, I, I will be under armed guard, so I don't fucking try nothing. Anyways, that's votedean.com slash donate. Uh, the guy's name is Dean Preston. Great guy. Fucking check him out. And uh, let's start the
1: episode. Support for Truanon comes from Deutsche Bank. In this fast-paced digital first world, you need a fast-paced digital first bank ready to operate at your speed. Deutsche Bank's banking app lets you launder your money anytime, anywhere. Deutsche Bank. This is money laundering. Reimagined. What's on your tax form? Deutsche Bank. Support for Truanon comes from Tesla Motors. Tesla Motors, an overvalued battery company that can't effectively compete in a world market with a subpar product, but continues to pay their existing investors with funds collected from new investors, promising your investment in their stock will generate high returns with little or no risk, depending on the whims of Elon Musk. Tesla Motors, evading SEC and DOJ scrutiny for over 17 years, accelerating the transition to unsustainable growth founded on fraudulent accounting schemes. Tesla Motors. San Francisco's a dog's
0: town. I know that's not what comes to your mind when you think of it. You think of the Twitter sign, the robot policemen, maybe the naked men with rings around their penis. But at its core, this is a canine city. The people just live here. The most famous dogs in the city's history were, at one point, a pair of pooches named Bummer and Lazarus. This was in 1860, where the best work a dog could get was rat catching at the local saloons, and that's exactly what Bummer was up to. He was good at his job. He wasn't bloodthirsty. For Bummer, catching rats was just a job, and he excelled at his work. In 1861, Bummer rescued a small puppy who'd been injured by another dog, one of those bad dogs we hear so much about, and he nursed him back to health. He fed the dog with his own mouth, his own food, He licked the other dog's wounds, and the miraculous recovery led him to be named Lazarus. After that, the two were inseparable. Operas always reserved a pair of seats for them, and the man they accompanied, Emperor Norton himself. They got free food at all the saloons, palled around with Mark Twain, the famous writer, and generally stuck their snouts into every nook and cranny of the growing city. Now, bummer and Lazarus, those two dogs were known. I mean, really known. Newspapers wrote about them. Imagine that today. A pair of famous dogs running wild through the city. No leash, no owner, causing no problems. But where are our famous dogs today? In a city where dogs far outnumber children, where you're more likely to hear the bark of a chihuahua than see a 10-year-old fortnight dancing, there's a silence when there should be a celebrated whine of an unmuzzled pooch. But maybe you have heard of another pair of dogs a pair of dogs that also had eccentric owners. Maybe you've heard of Bain and Hera, and the people who loved them, and maybe also had sex with them. I'm Jad Abumrod, and for this week we've got the story of a <laughs> Jewish couple, the prison Nazi that they adopted and loved, a pair of energetic doggies, one of whom might have had sex with a white woman.
1: From KTRU San Francisco, it's Truanon, distributed by Patreon Radio International and produced by Young Chomsky. I'm Liz Franzak. and I'm Brace Belden. Stay with us.
0: Uh, you know, before, uh, baby, before we really get going here, I, I just want to play a sound bite real quick that I think will really set the tone for what Wait, we're already? talking about. Yeah, I want to play it more than once. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, roll right here.
1: He loved uh, to lick people. He licked me all over. He licked Marjorie all over. Perfect.
0: Now I'm in the mood <laughs> that's like setting candles, I'm setting intention, I'm feeling good. Uh, and, and 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 I'm excited. What are we talking about here, honey?
1: Well, okay. So before we start, I just want to say that hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we have had a couple. <laughs> we've had a couple of heavy episodes over the mm-hmm. past couple weeks, and so um, Bryce and I were talking, discussing, and we decided to do something a little different today, which is tell a story. From, that's very close to our hearts, I think, because oh, yeah. we're both native San Franciscans, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised, and this really hits home for us. This is a very uh, famous story that rocked the city in the early 2000s, pre-September 11th, by the mm-hmm. way.
0: Yeah, I, actually, I would say that this was probably the most, like, actually, in real life, not joking, I I know the story of this better than I do in 9 um, <laughs> and, and we've and done like, five
1: episodes about 9 yeah, 11. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I don't know the story that well. No, it's, it's, no, I, this is one of those things that, that I forget about for much of the year. And then, like three or four times out of the year, you know, maybe once a season, it comes to me like a lightning bolt. And my mm. body is shocked. I put my arms out, I put my legs out like a starfish, and I zizzle and zazzle with electricity.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's a fucking wild story. So we're not—I mean, I wouldn't call ourselves a true crime podcast, although maybe some mm-hmm. other people do. So mm-hmm. this is like a little different for us. So, um, you know, bear with us. We're gonna try and do this the best we can. But uh, yeah, let's get into it.
0: Well, I think we should start first with probably the victim, right? Mm. Um, and 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 really one of the only seemingly good people in a story that is extremely filled with absolute freaks and weirdos.
1: Yeah. So without getting into too many of the details, we should I just want to give like a little bit of a brief overview. Um, and for anyone who grew up in the Bay Area, um, you probably know this story, but a lot of people don't, especially young people, even though it did get national attention, which we'll get into. Mm. There's quite a media circus surrounding this story. But basically, um, we are telling the story of a very famous dog mauling, Mm-hmm. that ha- that occurred in the Pacific Heights neighborhood of San Francisco in 2001. Um, so two uh, rather large dogs, and we're going to get into them uh, in detail in a, a little later in the show, mauled to death a woman named Diane Whipple uh, in her apartment building in Pacific Heights in San Francisco. And one of the most, I mean, not the most wild, because... Uh, This is a story that features not just the Aryan Brotherhood, but possible dog sex, Kamala Harris, Kimberly Guilfoyle.
0: Runes. There's runes, (laughs) which you know I'm always looking out for. Possible, literally possible, like, uh, I I don't know what it's called when your spirit lives, a possession. Possession of another person for sexual uh, exploits.
1: Yeah, also like the Mexican cartel. Mm -hmm. Or a Mexican cartel and dogfighting ring um you know prisons and also but but the one of the craziest parts is that also this case is is like responsible for a major advancement in gay and lesbian civil rights
0: very it's it's every single fucking thing about this is totally strange Um, I I think we should start first with, with Diane Whipple herself, uh, okay, because she is one of the few sympathetic characters in rather a large cast, which, which just goes to show what, what kind of caliber people we're, we're mostly dealing with here. But at the time of the attack, Diane was about 33 years old. She's from the East coast, raised in long Island. And she seems to be like most of her life was dominated by sports and she seemed to be pretty good at sports. She was like an all American. What is an all American athlete?
1: It's like uh, best in the country, national level. Oh, so I'm like an all-American podcaster. Yes, baby. I think so. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Uh,
0: she was she was a lacrosse player, but mostly seemed to just be like really athletic generally. I, she moved to San Diego at one point and tried out for Olympic track and field. And when she was down there, or rather when she was down in L.A., she met a woman named Sharon Smith. And... The way she described it is, uh, her friend came, or Sharon Smith came into a room where Diane was hanging out with her friends. Diane grabbed her friend's hand and said, "That is going to be mine." Which I got to say, extremely alpha way to to yeah, deal hot. with things. There, that's, that's very, that's cool. fantastic.
1: Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Uh, it turns out she and Sharon uh, got got along very well. They liked all the same sports. They had the same politics. They had the same sort of social views. And, uh, and they took up together. They had a long-distance relationship for a, a, a little bit until uh, – well, because Sharon, I didn't mention, was living in San Francisco. Diane moves up to San Francisco into an apartment in Pacific Heights with Sharon. Um, they, they for, from what I understand, had a pretty loving relationship. And remember, this is actually pretty – it sort of struck me that, like, gay marriage has only been legal for, like, 60. I mean, in California, longer but like just how new gay marriage was Mm. because like they, they were, they were essentially not married. I think they were domestic partners or what was it? Like exactly called it.
1: Civil union was allowed or domestic partners. Yeah. I can't remember when, I I can't remember exactly the sequence of that, but I mean, it is crazy. I mean, you know, we were talking about this and it's like, um, I, I mean, it, It wasn't even I mean, like Obama couldn't even run on supporting gay marriage that it was so like, not on the table for politicians. And that was in 2008. You know,
0: yeah, exactly. And like, you know, Gavin Newsom had his like little stunt Mm. there. But yeah, you know, it didn't really which I commend
1: him for that was good.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a little corny, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. Bad. Remember Biden? Uh, let's, let's, let's yeah, we don't skip over all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but remember the names Diane Whipple and Sharon Smith, because they are the, oh, the names of the only decent people that appear mm. anywhere in this story.
1: Yeah. So, uh, running through this cast of characters, we have to get into kind of the main, the two main guys here. The defendants in the case, Marjorie mm-hmm. Noller and Robert Noel. Now I say mm-hmm. Noel, but you say Noël.
0: I say Noël because he sort of got a Santa Claus type appearance to him.
1: I and figured there would have been an accent on the E or the O. Who puts in an accent? What was the last
0: time you saw like a guy like this with an accent in his name? I don't know. Maybe he's French. Robert Does Christmas. Guy, yeah, yeah. Robbie Christmas. <laughs> they. Uh, I want to start off with saying that, that Robert. Let, let's let's start with Robert. Robert is not an attractive man. Mm. Um, he looks like the sort of person who either audits you or gives you a ticket. Like it, it, when you look at this guy, it's like the kind of guy that is 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 somehow taxing you financially. Well,
1: he's not even a man anymore because he died. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah very true (laughs) Um, but Robert grew up straight laced uh, by all accounts a nerd as did his wife but we'll get into her in a second while everybody else was smoking dope and having sex without condoms in the street which made sense because condoms are just a totally fake thing that people can trick themselves I mean it's just bullshit just ask the person this is like the second week in the row
1: that you're on an anti-condom crusade
0: second week sweetheart it's about the 20th year yeah. It's just. I mean. I it's mean. A look, totally, I'm right
1: with you. No one likes it, them. It's nobody Can, likes we just them. Stop pretending why do that we people do like them. them? Exactly. They're no one all, likes Even them. the flavored ones. No one likes Terrible them. Just taste stop pretending. Let's just them. be honest. No one likes them. Just don't use a condom. It's, it's just like t- the mask. No one likes the mask either. It's like the mask. Life's for your a dick. gamble. It's
0: awful. Life's a gamble. Um, also, yeah, it's um, it's bareback. No, but, there's other uh, methods. Of what? of putting rubber on your penis because that's that's really what I've been
1: doing yeah
0: literally just don't just pull out okay let's I'm sorry but it works 99% of the time you just have to really trust each other it brings an extra listen anyways so Robert was not I mean actually he was fucking without condoms because he got a wife and and some kids at this point but but when everyone else was partying he was working for the DOJ as a tax lawyer aka Ernardario. Um and one day he just up and splits from his wife, fucking moves to San Diego, takes up with another broad. He's working for the fucking I think the federal. Uh, I, th- I think he's working for the for, for the federal attorney's office there. Um, that's not what that's called. What should I call that?
1: What the U.S. attorney's office? The U.S. He, uh then no, one keep day, sort
0: of, okay, okay, <laughs> the U.S. attorney's. You know what? Yeah, you know what? Keep that in. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. <laughs>
1: Oh, this is going to be one of those episodes.
0: He takes up with another woman uh, who later describes him as fucking, fucking crazy, crazy, and crazy until he moves to San Francisco <laughs> and starts working at a boutique law firm. It's funny. I actually also found out he gave money to the IRA around this time. So No
1: shit. Really? Armored cars and guns came to take away our sons, but every man was then behind the men behind the wire. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Man Which, of, uh, you know, complicated man.
0: Well, he was literally an American Republican. And then he was just like, I guess he was like, oh, there's Republicans in Ireland. <laughs> uh, later became, of course, I have looked at his Facebook page, very much an anti-Trump kind of, uh, never Trumper type. Well, so makes um, sense. he meets, you know how when you're at work and you're like, you're like, damn, I should talk to every woman here and see if they'll go out with me. And don't HR do that, like, by the way, people, HR is like do that. you should fucking do it, bro. Like I'm serious. Like believing yourself. Like just ask her, man. Yeah. The first thing you got to do is ask. They her. They don't do that. Well, That's none of this is true. Well, no, that is what happened. Robert goes up to a paralegal at his work, uh, who is a buxom blonde, and he asked her on a date. Within a week, bam, they're fucking living together. This Both of them were married. Story. Classic. This story is filled with people who meet each other and then like immediately move in. Which is It happens. I've done it. <laughs> I mean hell. Yeah, the thing is that's I've that's, done it that's, too. Exactly. And you know what? It works out. The the like the thing is life's a gamble, but it's also impossible to lose. That's another <laughs> little thing. People people hear that you always hear people say life's a gamble, you never hear the end of that which is where you always win. Mm. And so that's 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 Wait, really... no, isn't
1: it and the house always wins. Yeah, but you, you're moving into the house. Life's a gamble <laughs>
0: You just met her. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. That's life's a gamble
1: and the house always wins. Mm-hmm.
0: That sounds like a thing. Exactly. It is. Okay. It is. Um, so All let's right. talk about Marjorie real quick.
1: Wait, you said that she was a blonde and literally the only photos I've seen of her with are, well, one, spoiler alert, when she's covered in blood. And mm-hmm. two, like when she's crying in the courtroom. So, and I, I literally did not know she was blonde. Well,
0: I'm mostly basing that off the fact. I mean, I I think she's a brunette in the courtroom videos, but Mm. uh, I'm mostly basing that off the fact. And you know what? She's actually wearing a blonde wig, so I fucked up here. But whatever, we'll keep it in, in the interest of being. Wait, she wore a wig? Yes, uh, to imitate an Aryan, uh, which I'll get into in a second. But uh, there are there are. You know how like sometimes you're like, damn, I'm gonna take a picture of myself naked and never ever send it to a, per- a member of the aryan brotherhood you guys ever do that <laughs> you're like all right i Just took this going. nude and i'm never sending this to a shot call in the aryan brotherhood well marjorie fucked up and she accidentally sent all these pictures of her like dressed in like an evening gown but with her titties like kind of hanging out in the lobby of her apartment building which is oh yeah will very-
1: you stop sending those to me
0: I have sent those to Liz several times. I, I'm trying to get into you know, this this story has a lot of people inhabiting somebody else, and I'm trying to get into the character of this buxom blonde uh sending. Is it buxom or is it yeah, it's buxom. Yeah. Um anyways, so she 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 is uh she is not not a steal your man type of woman. And so I'm I'm rather surprised that she did steal your man from mm. uh from, from Robert Knowles ex. ex Ex-wife, but but let's talk about her. She is 16 years younger than um than Robert Noel, which yeah. to me is one of the most problematic aspects of the story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, a classic tale. Mm-hmm. Well, the, just Another the aspect. power
0: differential there.
1: Yeah, that's just, we, that's actually we're not going to talk about anything involving the murder case. We're actually no. going to stop the story right here, and for the next hour, we need to talk about. Um, power imbalances and age differences in relationships.
0: Absolutely. That is one of the most important things. I mean, I know it's sort of been like a topic on the left a lot lately, but like it really should be a topic for everybody. Mm. If you are more... Left, right and center, baby. Exactly. Like if you are more than three or four months older or younger than somebody else, Mm. you are legally a pedophile.
1: Yeah. Depending on what age you are. Exactly. It changes. It also changes based on what I think of you.
0: Yes. And uh, whether you look gross or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, back to the story. So Marjorie... We, let's talk about their because they get married, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So they are basically become kind of like soci- like kind of minor society people in San Francisco. They're always at charities. They're doing philanthropy. They're going to the symphony. You know, they live in Pack Heights. Which we mm. should say Pacific Heights is very, it's like classically fancy neighborhood in San Francisco. Now, the way that San Francisco is, it's like old money because all the yeah. tech people took over the mission and they like, you know, it's like nouveau riche. But Pack Heights is like old school. That's where like Pelosi mm. lives. Yeah, absolutely. Like moneyed, like the Gettys, who actually uh, feature sort of as a side story in this in this mm-hmm. story.
0: Diane Steele, whose son played in a ska band.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, everyone in between. So it's like a, you know, it's a big, uh, you know, very Tony neighborhood, as they say, in San Francisco.
0: One funny thing about this is that uh, that Marjorie was Jewish and Robert converted. And speaking for myself as a a person of uh, Hebraic faith... that's a weird thing to do when people do that. Like, and not, it's not a weird thing to convert. It's a weird thing when people convert for a spouse, um, because it's like, what are you doing here? You don't want.
1: okay. The, the only thing I would, I would say when it's not, well, I don't think it's that weird, but I will say that it's especially not weird in the case of children.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that, I mean, and that's like, have any kids. They don't have any, well, not yet. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even saying it's a weird thing to do. I'm just like, why do you want to be Jewish? It is, every day it hangs over me like a black cloud that rains only on me. And I love being Jewish. You should see how everyone else feels about it. But he did the one honorable thing in this circumstance, which is immediately start accusing everybody of being (laughs) anti-Semitic. And I'm like, not even fucking kidding. This is such, I wish I could be like this. Like I just, no one's anti-Semitic towards me because they think I'm at a Rothschild because of the stature that I hold myself and because of the insane curvature of my nose. Mm. But like at one point, He like, okay, so when the cops burst down his door later, later in the story, he claims that it was like the Gestapo and he had like intergenerational. He didn't use these words, but he essentially said like memories of the Holocaust, which, by the way, his family did not undergo because they were not Jews. Like, well, not that only Jews went to the Holocaust, but like his family wasn't one of the like uh, wasn't involved in the Holocaust. Um, And then at, at another point, his like showerhead broke. And he was like, he and Marjorie were so insane that they demanded that the, the plumber could only come at a certain time and under like these very specific circumstances. And so the plumber came with the landlord's lawyer just because they were so freaked out about like this couple and how insane they were. Uh, at one point, the, there was, it was also, the, the plumber had like an intern who was like a young German guy with them. And at the end, he kind of does like, you know, when you say goodbye to sometimes, you give him like a, somebody, you give him like a little salute. Like a little two-fingered salute. Just like
1: a two, like, like, almost like a tip of the cap. Exactly. But it looks a little bit like a salute.
0: Exactly. He gives him one of those. And Noel sues him for $50,000, claiming that he was triggered because it was a German giving a military salute. Which he acknowledges was not a Nazi salute. You know what, though? A man ahead of his time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This dude would have been great writing under Batya Ungar Sargon or whatever at the, at the Jewish Daily Forward. Uh, also, in, in German, I believe it's called Vorwurz, which is definitely a word I would use to describe that lady's face. Um, <laughs> in 1988, by 1988, these two are fucking done working at these boutique. By the way, boutique law firms. I'm sorry. I hate when they say boutique law firm. That just makes me think a place has really nice chairs in a small office. Mm.
1: I mean, that's basically um, what it is.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess that is a good word for it then. Uh, but they start their own company together, which is always – nowadays, these couples, they're just like, oh, no, baby. Like, we'll do your jewelry company. Or like, oh, we'll do your perfume company. Back then, when men were men and women were women, they were like, we will start a failing law firm when we lose almost every case that we operate out of our closet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's just what they did. Yeah, because it was honorable. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they start taking on uh, a lot of pro bono cases, which is not a good move if you're trying to uh, support yourself and your new business. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they actually start taking on a lot of cases for convicted felons, like mm-hmm. handling appeals and the appeals process for people, like, already in prison. And specifically, um, they get hooked up in, uh, with one prison called Pelican Bay.
0: Yeah, they meet a prison guard named John Cox, which is uh, another word for penis, who had betrayed his fellow COs and came clean about abuse in Pelican Bay. And Pelican Bay is still notorious, but it was especially notorious back then because of like all the insane amount of abuse. I mean, it was like medieval there. I'm, it, it still is, but like, they were like experimenting on prisoners in like the medical part of the prison, that kind of shit. They're beatings all the time, guard assisted gang assassinations. And now Cox was being harassed by his CEOs because he came clean about it. He was like, listen, there's the, this place is a fucking nightmare. The, uh, the couple starts defending him and, and, and through him meeting other prison guards, sort of gaining a reputation. A little side note, they lose the case with Cox so badly that he kills himself. Um, and that kind of just sets the tone for their record. They fucking suck at being— These are the worst Jews I've ever encountered. They are horrible at being lawyers. Like, their, their defenses are just out of control in every single case. They use obscure and, like, arcane legal maneuvers that just fail every time. It's incredible.
1: So, around this time when they're taking on all these cases, they basically, like, start going broke, right? They start losing all their money. Um, They get very conspiratorial. They Mm -hmm. get very – they think that they're being, like, watched and and stalked by the Bureau of Prisons. They think that they're, like – being surveilled when they're at motels driving back from pelican bay they think that the bureau of presents is breaking into their apartment um so they kind of like lose all of their society connections Mm -hmm. and all of their kind of like you know and you know look if you look up pictures of these people you'll understand what we're talking about this is a real fall from (laughs) grace
0: yes yeah absolutely i mean the thing is, like you know, I was once the top of the town here. You know, I did cocaine with Gavin Newsom. Oh, okay. you know, I've done push-up contests with uh, O.J. Simpson. You know, like I've I've been thrown out of San Francisco City College for uh, things that I'm contractually unable to mention on this show. Okay, but well, like, only
1: one of those things is true.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, but these guys. I mean, they really went from being like opera types to just being like total freaks, and then yeah. eventually total freaks whose topic of conversation revolved solely around dogs' penises or specific yeah. dogs' penis. Many such um, cases. Many such cases out there. Exactly. Well, in 1997, sort of everything changes from them. I mean, prior to this point, they'd become really ingratiated with like prison culture, not like the the Twitter account, but like <laughs> like. Although not that that'd be much better. Um, but like, you know, they start using, you know how like you meet people I who like I forgot about
1: prison culture. Low key I, fell off.
0: Yeah. Well, fine with me. Um, but, uh, but you know how like you meet people that are like not part of a subculture like not, they like weren't in the military, but they use a lot of military terms or something right, like right, that. Right,
1: right, right. Kind of.
0: Yeah. Well, but you know that that's a type that exists.
1: Sure. Okay.
0: They become people who like start using like selly and like slow like that like to talk about like
1: (laughs) right 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 because now they've um, got a taste for street cred they think they're on the inside and they're like look we we fell out of society because we're fucking broke losers that are ugly Mm -hmm. we're down for the street now it's because you know the system hates us because we are in the system now that's what they're saying
0: it's like the system is so mad at us for losing every single case that we bring against them that they've engaged in this campaign of harassment <laughs> to make us lose worse somehow? I'm not really mm. sure what the logic behind that was but um, it's, so in 1997 sort of something happens. They are, they, are, they are representing a guard at Pelican Bay who was you know, accused of working with the Aryan Brotherhood to get child molesters either killed or beaten by I believe the Aryan Bro- you know, child molesters are not very popular in prison because of well okay I'll say it and the Aryan Brotherhood was no exception. Like they they did not like them whatsoever. Uh one of the witnesses in the case was a guy named Paul Cornfed Schneider. And you know, they the 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 couple dealt with him, you know, as a witness, but another one of the witnesses they were dealing with was assassinated during the trial and they became very protected. Little Mama Bear came out of uh, mm. of Nola and Noel, And uh and they 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 really started to look at Paul Schneider in in a well, paternal and maternalistic, sort of fashion.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, it got weirder from there. We should pause on uh, Noel or Noel and Noller. So confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like they should have just uh, hyphened their names to Noel Noller.
0: No, you know they—they they literally could either one of them could have taken the other's name, and like society would have
1: accepted. It. Literally, no one would have noticed if they just took yeah, each other's name. It's
0: weirder that they didn't just because of how similar they were.
1: It's—they're very similar to the point of being creepy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's 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 crazy because everything about us about them is so normal.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we need to pause on them for a second, and we need to move on to paul cornfed schneider who is uh, a really important figure in this case for multiple Mm -hmm. reasons um he is in fact and you know you might you might be upset to hear this but it's true he was in fact a member of the aryan brotherhood
0: he was a shot caller which is listen (laughs) for those of you who've been on the inside that means somebody who calls the shots in a prison game okay so aryan brotherhood what is that that's like a mexican thing (laughs)
1: <laughs> no other no it's very much not here's no. the
0: thing about mexicans they got the serenios and the norteños where's the centranos there's nobody
1: from the middle oh my god no no the area brotherhood is, are nazis
0: oh oh wow that seems bad
1: But like, um, okay, Brace, will you explain? Because I don't think the the Aryan Brotherhood doesn't totally work like a lot of people think it works, right?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, Aryan Brotherhood's a pretty famous gang. And because it is, I think people think that there's a lot of members. But according to my, not only my resources, my research, but my sources, Mm. is that the Aryan Brotherhood is actually a pretty small gang. They just have like a lot of hangers on. Like, yeah. all the guys that you see, like, in, you know, documentaries about prison or documentaries about, like, maybe a small Jewish guy who's not a prisoner going into prison and teaching people how to work out better. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys with swastikas. I knew a guy who got out of prison that had quite a lot of swastikas on him, although he covered him up with house paint so he could go work as a bouncer. I think the— Wait, he poured uh,
1: house paint on his body to yeah, hide his Yeah, he was Nazi, Nazi Jimmy.
0: Yeah, it was this guy Nazi Jimmy. And the first thing me and Max asked, him, we're like, wait— so are would like a prison Nazi or like are you going to be weird to miss because we're Jewish? Because he was just staying on our friend's couch. He was like, oh, mm. it's just like a prison Nazi. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. But yeah, he would put – he had oh, he had 49 swastikas tattooed around his neck and he would put house paint on it in order to go to work. Um, he later uh, took up with a couple of chicks from Katati and started I think making acid in this warehouse and he got arrested there. And it turns out he had actually skipped uh, – he had jumped out on like his, his parole and he got sent back to Ohio – uh, and that was the anti-Nazi Jimmy. There's a picture of us, and he was like seven too. It was a terrifying individual. I was oh, I was scared of him 100 percent of the time. Anyways, so you know, the, but like, but like, the, there's like, essentially, it's like an inner cadre, an inner core of actual gang members, and then like a lot of people who like wanna be gang members, right? And you right. sort of like act like they're members of the Aryan Brotherhood, maybe like get Aryan Brotherhood tattoos or something, but they're not actually in the Brotherhood. Paul was actually in the Aryan Brotherhood. He was such a notorious member that they actually uh, shut down the entire Bay Bridge when they, when they transferred him from prisons one time.
1: To keep him safe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. To keep, to keep me and my Antifa buddies from kicking his fucking <laughs> yeah. ass.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, we were trying to fuck around and find out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 99% of the times when someone what says fuck around and mean? find out,
0: it just means I'm about to lose and I want to save face five minutes before I do.
1: Yeah, it's very stupid. Does that just come from Twitter?
0: It's actually, it is actually from literally a Nazi prison gang. I'm not kidding.
1: Really? They yeah, appropriated a, a Nazi there. thing to be anti-Nazi?
0: Yeah, yeah. That
1: seems very stupid.
0: Eh, yeah, well, I mean, I got a swastika tattoo. <laughs> it's crossed out. How you like, you didn't expect that one coming, did you? Yeah, it no, says it's a tribute no to my, Nazi. It's a tribute to my incarcerated worker friend, Nazi Jimmy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Paul, Paul's actually, Paul's a Cali native, bro. Oh, my God. Uh, he grew up with sisters here in California. <laughs> and when he was 16, I should mention that because, you know, that could have some bearing on it. Uh, when he was 16, he worked at a place in L.A. called Continental Canine, uh, whose business was basically like lending out scary dogs to people who want scary dogs, like junkyard shit like that. Um, here's a quote from him for a Rolling Stone article. See, Wait, I gotta do my Nazi accent. These. Fuck, what is it? They. They. Thieves would cut the tendons in the dog legs. <laughs> That's when I learned how loyal dogs are. They would still try to do their job, even when their legs were sliced. Wait, why is that a Nazi accent? Well, I mean, he's from California, but he's like. Uh, I don't. I can't do a California accent. That accident. sounds like
1: it's a nineteen just... forties gangster or like nineteen twenties. You know gangster. who was the
0: worst gangster from both that's the forties like and the twenties? Adolf Hitler yeah, was a okay. gangster <laughs>
1: from that era as well. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not what Adolf Hitler sounded like. And his,
0: his buddy Big Big Garing too. <laughs> yeah, his buddy Nazi Jimmy, Little Himmler. Yeah, Nazi Jimmy. <laughs> um anyways like myself he graduated high school early although i they just let me go early i think he actually graduated early uh and he worked on a, a and listen this is you know how i feel about fly boys. you know i don't know if i've mentioned them before but i think they're a cocky bunch who i don't trust mm. at all but he was a fly boy and mm. by that i mean somebody who just worked on an aerial refueling ship in the yep, air force not a pilot not a pilot. I just call anybody who goes into the air for more than six hours a year combined. So, like, anyone takes mm. long flights, anyone yep. takes multiple flights, that's what, I call them fly boys.
1: Yeah, I think that works.
0: Uh, and he was an Odinist.
1: I'm sorry, what? So, you know
0: Odin? <laughs> like, the god Odin? Like, one-eyed fella? The one-eyed fella. Okay okay <laughs> he was an otis so i guess he was just like uh like you know how, like when we talk back like, in those nazi episode like the spider network episodes mm. i'm like these guys have really weird esoteric beliefs yeah he was this like is that. like
1: esoteric yeah this is runes yeah. shit right
0: yeah he, oh he's a, he's got he's got he's got a runescape all over his body and that describes his tattoos okay. uh he also sometimes referred to himself as loki the trickster <laughs> well I, I, I had the trickster part but i mean loki is the trickster
1: um, so he, he ends up, uh, in jail for car, uh, armored car robbery, right? hmm 1987. Yeah. And basically four years in, he gets in with the Aryan Brotherhood.
0: AB, baby. And yeah, his price of admission, you know how sometimes you got to prove yourself to people by being like, um, accountable to them or like showing up on time or like yeah. calling them back, yeah. which is why I, I, it's like the number one reason I haven't been able to join any street gangs. Uh, He joined the Aaron Brotherhood by by stabbing a guard in the neck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this dude is, like, a serious dude. He is, like, serving, what, like, three life sentences. He's been running, he he ran, like, multiple (laughs) drug smuggling operations in and out of prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, He once stabbed a defense attorney in a courtroom, which is insane, but it's not as insane as the next part, which, will you say it?
0: Uh, yeah, I know. I was about to say Liz, no way let Liz Liz will allow herself to say this. So you know how you're like, damn, prisoners like never have pockets. And they're like, they let this guy have a knife. So a lot of people don't know that the the asshole of the body, which is like um how do I describe it? It's like the mouth but low. And that 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 thing can have things in it as well as out of it. And like and 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 so a lot of people don't know. Sometimes girlfriends will try to Try to try to pretend like they know and like try to put some up there, and you got to be like, "Whoa, partner!" Um, but but Paul Schneider obviously dated some of the same girls that I did in my early twenties, uh, and and he figured out that he could essentially use the asshole as an extra pocket. And so so what he did was he fashioned a knife, uh, which is like a bladed instrument used for stabbing people, um, and he put it in his asshole. And now the crazy thing about this is, I'm like. How did it not cut your butt? Like, how did your butt... Maybe, did he put other stuff in there to, like, shield it? But anyways... The knife wound of the defense attorney had f- 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 fecal matter in it, uh, and, which is such an oh, Dude, that's like in, the, the Vietnamese did that in, uh, or the, the NVA uh, did that in, uh, in the Vietnam War, is they just like put sharp sticks in like a pit and then shit on them. And so when American soldiers would fall into it, they'd be like, oh, fuck, I got stabbed. And they'd be like, oh no, I got a shit infection on my arm. I can't burn down a village full of babies now. Um, so it didn't he stopped them. Yeah, Comrade Schneider did not stop them. Comrade, Comrade Cornfed uh, obviously was, was taking a, a, a tip from Uncle Ho there and, uh, and, and stabbed him with a shit knife. Well, anyways, oh he gets God. out, and, and all of a sudden, you know, totally out of the blue, the, uh, the prison authorities start x-raying him all the time.
1: Mm, yeah. And then, wait, he sued the prison system for x-raying him too much. Mm-hmm. He, he gets, like, $12,000. <laughs> Which, like, I'm like, that doesn't seem like that much money. That's <laughs> like... I made us a lot of money for a prison guy. What,
0: what, one thing I should say, too, he, after he assaulted the guard in the courtroom, he was like, listen, I will plead guilty if you give my boys and I a pepperoni pizza and a two liter of Coke. And the <laughs> prison system did that. And so, like, you can't say that he doesn't watch out for his friends.
1: So not, so he has some other, uh, he gets into some other shit in prison that's equally as freaky as the Aryan Brotherhood, which is he starts uh, reading a lot of dog fancy.
0: Mm. Mm. Always a red flag. You know, it's actually, that's the number one magazine in America.
1: (laughs) I thought it was cat fancy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Cat Fancy unfortunately, Fortune was purchased by Jacobin and then turned into like mm. a sort of like social democratic vehicle. It's like a Vivek Jiver thing. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so he like he starts reading Dog Fancy and you know, as you might recall from I don't know, when we mentioned this forty minutes ago, who knows how long we've been going. Uh, he was already kind of he already kind of knew a little bit of the ins and outs of the dog breeding business from his time mm. pre entering the clink. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he starts reading dog fancy and he gets this idea like, huh, instead of smuggling, running drugs in and out of prison, maybe I could start selling attack dogs to the Mexican mafia in order to make my drug smuggling business better. Yeah. Which is like actually a pretty good idea. I mean, look, this guy, he's got, he's got smarts as we're going to get into. This guy is a master manipulator. He's a serious yeah, dude.
0: He is. And like he he actually he he did what I honestly like probably a lot of people do when they're in prison and I do not blame them, which is that he wrote a lot of letters to 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 women on the outside. And yeah. Paul was like really, you know how girls love bad boys, but like then they get kind I'm of not mad into like, that. I know. And well, it's also like they think they love bad boys and then the first time that you do something bad and then like up until like the 200th, they're like why are you doing something bad? It's like why did you start dating me? I like like yeah. isn't that
1: why? I don't like um, it. I don't get it. I know.
0: Well, it's like well they think like bad is cool and then like when you steal their debit card they're like suddenly bad's not cool anymore.
1: Yeah. Um
0: yeah. which is yeah, uh, we won't get into that here. But uh but but he starts writing women on the outside and he's like really good at, and I've actually read read some of his letters and he's like pretty fucking good at it. Like it's not mm. like the sort of like neandertholic like uh uh your I long for your legs, hot mama kind of thing. Yeah, like it's your like, DMs. Exactly. It's like really sufficient You were not supposed to share those with anybody. It's uh <laughs> it's really sufficient and also I said I I that was just autocorrect. I said I long for your um last episode audio, which you were supposed to send me. Oh. okay. So I could send it to Young Chomsky. Um But uh but but like, you know, he's like pretty sophisticated in them and like really like you know like I don't know how to describe it, but, like, they're very charming letters. Hmm. Um, Would you actually mind reading this quote for me, uh, uh, baby, about – this is something that – how Robert Knowles described him. I I think it's really – it sums up how how people thought of him.
1: All right. Here we go. Paul has charisma. I mean, you just – just to this guy, you like him. You know, he's honest. I mean, it's a strange thing to say about a guy who is doing life without parole in prison. I mean, I would say so. Paul's an outlaw hero. You've got a guy who comes in. He's very courteous and well-spoken in person. And if he was wearing a designer suit, he wouldn't look bad at all. The guy is drop-dead gorgeous. I'm always saying that about my bros, by the way. Well, not
0: only your bro, but your literal son that you adopted and also represent in court. I'm always saying
1: that about that guy. (laughs) Yeah, well, we we haven't gotten to that part yet. So he gets into something called the Presa
0: Canaria. Okay. I don't know why I did the Italian accents. I, think I don't know why you did I, either. Iranian. Also,
1: I don't like saying this name, but now we got to talk. We got to talk about the dogs. We've mentioned Paul. We can Paul. call them
0: Canary Dogs if you want.
1: I like Mastiffs, but we'll get okay. into it. So we've talked about Paul. We've talked about, remember, Marjorie and Robert. Mm-hmm. Talked we've we've about talked Diane. about Diane. And now we've got to talk about the dogs, because as we mentioned, if you're still with us, we know this episode is all over the place. It's, you know, in true Mm -hmm. non-fashion. We mentioned that this is actually a story about a dog mauling. or I think we mentioned that. If we didn't, that's what this is about. And so we got to talk about the dogs. Now, the dogs. Okay. Presa Canario. I don't fucking, you know, I know a lot about dogs. I'm a big dog Mm, person. White women alert. Love a dog. Hate a cat. Mm, say, say, I'll be honest with you very much the same there. yeah absolutely it's the only only like honorable moral position and I will defend this to my last dying day well but I mean
0: you try betting on cat fighting it's
1: terrible <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make a girl on girl, a bad girl on girl joke but I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it um okay so the Canario they're basically like um they're like very extremely large mastiffs mm-hmm. right but they're like a specific like type of like mastiff breed right i had never i had never heard of these things before i know a mastiff i know a pit bull this is like a weird hybrid of the two
0: The for some reason they're like a type of mastiff from the canary islands which is like a, a spanish-owned island in like the, the 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 uh the western mediterranean off the coast of africa and also where franco was sent by the spanish republican government Instead of just being fired uh, in, pr- prior to the, uh, the conservative general uprising that started the Spanish Civil War, he was just hanging out there in Canary Islands. They should have just shot him. But that's, Well, and
1: that's, also, I'm just going to say, if you think that's a coincidence with these m- murder attack dogs, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. hey, not a coincidence. Third eye open, baby. Yeah.
0: Uh, but they are big motherfuckers. They usually weigh about 100 to 150 pounds. That yeah. is literally twice as much as any wife I've ever had.
1: <laughs> it's They're- insane. Yeah, they're really big. Um, so basically, Paul gets real into these dogs.
0: Mm, very, very into, and he finds out about them, by the way, from dog fancy, like this mentioned, which is just <laughs> a very strange thing to do. I mean, I <sighs> guess you read a lot of magazines in prison.
1: I don't know. So remember how we said that he's always writing women, Scritching and scratching away on those little notepads. Yeah. So he was able to convince this lonely woman named Janet Quombs.
0: Um, which I'm sorry. It's Janet Coombs. <laughs> no, it's, I swear to God, it is. Is it really? I, I, yes, I guess reading happen. it like
1: Coombs, like Cuomo.
0: She's only mentioned in like a couple of the things that like I've watched about him with the and audio,
1: and it's Coombs. They say
0: Coombs. Yes. <laughs> so her name is Janet Coombs.
1: Okay, that's the fourth funniest thing about this story, <laughs> which is not a funny story. We should say very serious. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Janet Coombs, uh, this poor woman. So she had been visiting Paul at Pelican Bay since, like, 1998. Mm. And he basically threw his, like, love letters to her. Which, by the way, also, he would, like, make these, like, beautiful sketches. He was, like, an artist.
0: Very good artist, yeah.
1: Yeah, which was always remarked on by the women. Oh, I love your drawings. It's, like, one of those, like, you know, he want, they wanted him to draw them, like, his French women or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so he was able to convince Janet Coombs to, <laughs> to purchase, with the assistance of one of his contacts, Brenda, who we'll come back to in a second, to press a canary, Canario dogs. Um, and Paul told Janet that, uh, like, she would raise the dogs and he would draw them. So this was the mm. whole thing. He was like, Janet, you take the dogs and I'm going to send you these beautiful drawings of them, which is like... I don't know why that's a deal.
0: I got to say, dudes rock. That is amazing. <laughs> that, is, that is what a deal. I mean, and the thing is, the fucked up thing is, dude, Janet is poor as shit. Like, she yeah. lives on, like, a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere, has had really bad luck with men. I think we've been married a few times and, mm. like, has not gone well. Like, the guys have all been... Pr- I mean, Janet, besides Diana and, and, and Sharon, Janet is, like, one of the very few sympathetic characters in here. Yeah, I Because just she seems that. like just, like, a nice woman who, like, was lonely, and, like, you know, this guy's giving her attention. He seems, like, powerful, but also, Mm. like, he's also scary to her. So, like, so, yeah, she she gets a couple of dogs, right?
1: And as we'll see, like, she, you know, she had a good sense about these dogs and tried to warn some people. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so June 1998, she purchases two dogs. Schneider, excuse me, Paul, we'll just call him Paul. Paul names them Bane, who's the male dog, and Mm -hmm. Isis. Who's the female dog. (laughs) Those are
0: the two greatest influences on my life.
1: (laughs) Now, we should say it's ISIS, uh, not the acronym ISIS, but it's very funny if you take it that way. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yes. No, it's ISIS after the Bob Dylan song. (laughs) But the idea of it being
1: Bane, as in the character from the Batman movie that hasn't yet happened yet, and ISIS, Mm -hmm. as in the Islamic terror group that hasn't yet formed yet, is very funny to me. I I very much enjoy that. The the dude is not what can we say? The guy has a nose for evil. Yeah. So this is, so at this time, Bane, who, you know, remember this name, Bane, which you can't forget it. Uh, Beta is about three months old. So, and then later on, January 1999, months later, Janet purchases two additional female dogs, Hera and Fury. And Hera is mm. about five months old at this time. F- flash forward to May, and Isis gives birth to 10 puppies, but mm. only four survive, which I've got some questions about there. So, this is like she's got like a fucking pack of dogs on this farm. Like, this is a lot of dogs, and they're big dogs. Yeah,
0: they're huge, and they're hungry, and they're horny.
1: (laughs) I mean, they are. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the thing, is that, like, she can't really handle these dogs. She has them tied up to a fence. They're very aggressive. At one point, they eat, like, all of her sheep and chickens and her house cats.
0: They seem to have eaten every other living creature on the
1: farm. Yeah, she also mentions that Bane ate the doghouse that she made for him. Which, by the way, I don't know what that means. How does a dog eat a doghouse? Like wood?
0: Yeah, Bane seems to have a prodigious jaw. Like he's very hungry Oof. a lot of the time. Uh, and, but she she would she would send updates to, sh- to 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 old corn fed with like pictures of the dogs and sort mm-hmm. of like you know telling them how they're doing because you know, remember. Uh, Paul wants to sell these dogs to the Mexican mafia. So he wants these dogs to be big, tough, burly. He, he wants them to be, in his words, almost Brace Belden, like in their physique and demeanor.
1: Mm, yeah. So he, so he sees <laughs> Janet, sends some photos of the dogs and he sees them with the cats before, I guess, you know, before the dogs eat the cats. RIP. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, don't make, he literally says this, don't make wusses out of the dogs. Because, and he says he doesn't want them around people because he doesn't want them to be socialized. This is an important point. Um, They're really, like, they're literally raising these dogs to be monsters. Like, zero socialization, letting them run wild, eating livestock, and Mm -hmm. while keeping them chained to fences, which makes them even more aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: like according to like a, I think it was like a, a vet or no, it was a dog trainer whose, whose like testimony is included in one of the court cases. This is like the, the, the exact formula you want to do if you want to make a dog fucked up and insane. Yeah.
1: But that's what he wanted to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exa- I mean, he wanted like drug guard dogs.
1: Yeah. I mean, at, you know, when we say that his, this is his company that he's running, it's like, yeah, he's building a company to, uh breed attack dogs to sell to the Mexican mafia, he literally makes a website for his business, which we'll get into this in a little bit, called dogowar.com. Oh, dogowar. war. That's what is that like a DSA thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, Dog O War. Like Dog of War. Oh, that's fucking bad. Or like man of war. Yeah, totally. And this was the at like there's a picture of Bane in this like in this ad for dog award.com that he made, and it says Bane, one who causes death or destroys life, death, destruction, ruin, one who ruins or spoils. El Supremo Bane.
0: Here's another take on Bane. I nickname her a certified lick therapist. So,
1: You don't know where you're going with that. You just said. It. I know
0: where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know where
1: I'm going. I want to let you know, the listener in on something. Brace does what? this sometimes, where he just says a word and sees where it's gonna go, and that's how he yeah. just he just starts.
0: Well, I think a lot of people like, and I've encountered this like a lot of people that I've been like close with in my life, where mm-hmm. they like, where they'll like try to figure out why I did something, and they'll be like, "Well, he did it for these reasons and these reasons and for like these motivations." When like my brain is like. Uh, let's say highly regarded, and uh, I, I, it's like I, I just like I'm just going for like I think a lot, but like about things like this, I just I act and then uh let instinct take over, and I'm guided by the Holy Spirit, baby. Like I literally, God is actually guiding each and every one of my movements, and so like when I say so right there, we have like a a a pause after that, a pause in which God lives and oh God, God speaks through me. Okay. Uh, and, and God wants me to say that Marjorie Knoller and Robert Noel, Noel sued the shit out of Janet Coombs.
1: Yeah. So, okay. October 1999, Knoller and Noel file a lawsuit on behalf of uh, Brenda to gain custody of the dogs from Janet Coombs. So, this is very weird because basically. These two, now remember, they've become very enamored with uh, Mr. Schneider, are basically using Brenda in order to get these dogs away from Janet, who is supposed to be doing the bidding of Schneider, but sounds like Schneider is unhappy with the way that Janet is handling these uh, massive, massive attack dogs.
0: Well, it's just like my uncle wrote a letter to my dad once. Uh, and he's like, You are raising a pussy. Let me take your son and turn him into an attack dog. <laughs> and that's exactly what Schneider did. So
1: basically, they just like, so, um, Noller and Noel, I wish we had like a nickname for these fucking two mm-hmm. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, they basically. The No-No no No this- twins. <laughs> they use this lawsuit as, like, leverage against Janet. And Janet tells Noller like, on several occasions that she's having trouble with the dogs. And she's like, they're killing my sheep, they're killing my cats. And Nolar's like, well, then you want to get rid of these dogs anyway. Why do we even have this lawsuit? What's the big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Problem, though, because Janet calls the California Department of Corrections. And Janet's a little trickster. She calls them, and mm-hmm. she says... I think Schneider is involved in an illegal dog breeding business, which, by the way, I find this like very funny because it's like, yeah, Janet, you're, do- you're involved. You're, you're involved, involved in <laughs> the dog breeding business. It's called Dog O War.
0: Yeah, it's literally being run by a, like, a leader in the Aryan Brotherhood who's like, like that sends you drawings
1: of, of the dogs and tells you stop letting them play with other animals i want them to be aggressive
0: so i can sell them to the mexican mafia yeah like
1: janet baby
0: what is you doing exactly so well a lot of people don't, don't might recognize the name janet coombs it's the lady who used to do the blog brooklyn vegan and who moved to the uh, the countryside in California? So I'm not surprised that she isn't sort of aware of these country folk, corn fed sort of trickster ways.
1: Yeah. So basically, this guy Devin Hawks, who's the investigator at the California Department of Corrections, he like looks into Janet's claim, and basically like this is how I imagine it because this is what I was reading. He's like, okay, I'm going to take Janet's claim seriously, and he goes to investigate, uh, you know, what she's saying about Schneider. Now he basically like walks by their cell and takes one mm-hmm. look at Schneider and this is also an important character his cellmate Dale Breches Sorry baby and- we call those on the inside we call those cellies okay whatever and he basically like looks at them and is like ah, oh, yes okay these guys are part of the Aryan Brotherhood <laughs> and he figures out that you know someone is helping them on the outside to run a business purchasing, racing, and breeding dogs, and in his report, he cites Noller and Noel or Noel as possible contacts.
0: Well, I, you know, this this is something that I I found out during the course of this that was rather surprising to me is that actually prisoners are not allowed to run businesses in any way, like. They literally, there's like what? an anti- anti-entrepreneurship law on
1: the books in California. you think that some shitty Democrat politician would have already, like, can't you see Mayor Pete being like, this is my prison initiative for exactly. prison entrepreneurs, and it's like some horrible, horrible, like, tax yeah. break that doesn't benefit anyone in any way? Exactly. They're
0: like, well, no, actually, well, they don't want them to be entrepreneurs because they need the prisoners to be slave firefighters for the, for the upcoming right, fire right, right, wars sure. in California. Um, but, but to be fair... Paul Schneider's other job that he did his other little like entrepreneurship activity was like uh running like basically all heroin sales uh sales in like several prisons. <laughs> and so, you know, the guy already, you know, he's in the business he's a pillar of the business community. And yeah, so trying to go he's straight franchising. By- exactly. He's trying to go straight by by raising these dogs. Mm.
1: Well, basically, okay. So I just want to put a pin in that because the California Department of Corrections was really looking into this and had already made a little bit of connections. But basically, paused their investigation for reasons I don't understand. But back to Janet, our buddy Janet, our poor girl Janet. She basically mm-hmm. doesn't have any money to fight the lawsuit that or to feed uh, the dogs. Oh, you know, that too. But uh, that Noel and Noller are you know, using against her. So she just like gives it, gives up fighting it and gives them the dogs yeah
0: wh- by the time that knoller and it's funny actually like sort of the description was of like how knoller and Noel like just like canceled picking up the dogs like 50 times before they actually came and they did this really annoying thing where they called janet and they're like actually janet we're really early risers so we need you to be ready with the dogs at 6 a.m tomorrow and then they just <laughs> didn't show up for it which is what such a bitches? fucking. well f- oh, i hate that fucking move so much but uh
1: what do but, that but, that's so mean.
0: Exactly, it's so cruel. It's just uh, it's incredible. But uh but they bring a veterinarian down down with them. Uh uh it, down when they go pick up the dogs. And the the dogs the, the veterinarian rather says, "I saw eight dogs. Massive, massive dogs." I mean, huge dogs. The first thing I thought about was, you know, they are big. I mean, very large. <laughs> Which is is,
1: that's such a great quote what a what a qu- i, I actually like really like I would say, yeah, yeah. they I are mean, big i mean they're big they are very large these are very large big i mean huge. i think i said that earlier in the episode actually dogs
0: <laughs> it's incredible um so he writes a letter to the vet writes a letter to to because he's like I, I, he's like he just is like convinced that these that, that the, the couple is not going to take the fact that they're about to have eight insanely huge dogs seriously yeah. because he's like these are not city dogs like these are country dogs and actually in fact these are Canary Island dogs no one should have this but he says these dogs have the potential of being very serious also uh, gives her a bill for 180 bucks and says I would be professionally amiss if I did not mention the following so that you can be prepared these dogs are huge <laughs> Probably weighing in the neighborhood of 100 pounds each. They have had no training or discipline or any of any sort. They are a problem to even get to, let alone to vaccinate. You mentioned having a professional hauler gather them up and take them. Usually, this would be done in crates. But I doubt one could get them into anything short of a livestock trailer. And if let loose, they would have a battle. Uh, he also says that these were definitely going to be a liability to their households. And just like, I think he says the historic romance of the warrior dog, the personal guard dog, the gaming dog, which is like a dog that like, so, so you can better focus on saying racial slurs in like when you're playing online video games, the dog actually plays modern warfare for you. Oh my God. Um, That's not what that is. He says may sound good, but hardly fits into the life today, into life today. In any event, you'll do as you wish. But I at least have given you my opinions.
1: Well, very sensible veterinarian. I have mm-hmm. to say that, um, <laughs> as we'll find out, these dogs are bigger than a hundred pounds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I love that. First of all, I love that she's like she told. She already told the vet that she was going to have a professional hauler take the dog. What is that? Who is a dog hauler? Is this a thing?
0: Well, I think I actually think she just means like literally a. Perf- I, I know guys who do like hauling.
1: basically. it's just like a. No, mover, but that's like trash hauling, not dog. I mean, this is like a, <laughs> this is like a hundred and fifty pound attack dog, and there's like eight of them. Like what dude yeah. who's like, oh, I go and pick up like furniture that people don't want, and I drive a truck. <laughs> like no one is prepared to like fucking. You pick send up the these recology
0: dogs. guy down there. I know, yeah. I know a couple of guys who worked for
1: Iron Man. Actually, yeah, this or was, like one eight hundred junk. I knew a lot of guys that worked for them.
0: Yeah, well this is when I worked at the boxing gym And like uh, Iron Man Like m- like moving and hauling Basically employed all of our fighters Because like professional boxers don't really make that much money Unless right. you're like fucking Mayweather or whatever uh, And half of them actually Just literally lived at the Iron Man Warehouse like just in storage Containers um, Which just goes to show the life of a professional boxer Not as glamorous as you might think They also had group sex at our gym one time
1: Okay, so April 1st, the year 2000. Q mm-hmm. Pulp Song. Let's all meet up in the year Just kidding. Knoller, Knoll, and a professional dog handler named James O'Brien, which is a very San Francisco name, mm-hmm. uh, take custody of the dogs from Coombs, Janet Coombs. So at this time, Bane is one year 11th. She's 11- like, Coombs on down! <laughs>
0: sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm i'm mentally uh ill
1: okay so (laughs) like i said bane is almost two years old hira is one year nine months janet estimates that they weigh 150 and 130 pounds respectively on his hind legs bane stands over five feet tall (laughs) Oh my god, this
0: you're so teeny bane. I could like put you
1: in my pocket. Oh my god. This is a fucking huge dog. I'm sorry, we should like <laughs> that vet was right. This dog's five feet? Dude, <laughs> this dog's this dog don't
0: don't put this in, but this dog's two inches taller than me. Oh my god. But definitely cut that part.
1: Alright, Coombs tells now this is key. Coombs tells Nola and Noel that she is worried about the dogs. She says she tells them that she thinks the dogs should be shot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's just like raising his eyes like Sorry, no you guys totally, got you guys, you guys gotta fucking put these motherfuckers
1: down. <laughs> she says they should be shot before taking off the property. Which is like
0: <laughs> Dude, I love Janet Coombs, man. She rocks. <laughs> Consider me a coomer, man. Like she is she I'm a I'm a fucking fan of this lady.
1: Alright. So she yeah, she says they're not gonna bond with anyone else, just shoot these dogs if you're gonna adopt them, which kinda defeats the purpose. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, you can have you gonna have a lot of fur.
1: All right. So Bane ISIS. Oh God, Bane. <laughs> I can't. Stop. This is not a funny story. This is like just a call horrible them tragedy. Just,
0: just, just call her ISIL. Just call her ISIL. That's like a better. That's actually what you
1: should. That's actually don't even give her it. that
0: respect. Call her Dash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bane ISIS and four puppies are transported to La Puente in Cal mm. in Southern California. Hira and Fury are transported to Peninsula Pet Resort in San Carlos. Now, my understanding is that these are both um, basically fake names for what are like quasi Mexican cartel situations. The La Puente one
0: definitely is. I think the Peninsula Pet Resort is like literally a pet resort, though.
1: Oh well, that's not so bad.
0: Like like from the description I read in a book. By the way, the book that I read about this was some by somebody named Aphrodite Jones. <laughs> Love that name. <laughs> Aphrodite Jones? Wait, how is there a book published about this story? It's called Red Zone, the true story of the San Francisco Dog. There's like several books about this, baby. Only uh. only only Red Zone by Aphrodite Jones is like is like a one that's like has stuff that I'm looking for. All the other ones are like basically like guidebooks for like dog mauling lawyers. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I can't stop laughing. I'm so sorry if I'm ruining the episode. Uh,
0: <laughs> sorry, my bad. Can you cut that?
1: Don't cut it. Just keep I don't want
0: people listening to this thing of a slob or something.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. So, in April, April 30th, two, the year 2000. <laughs> that's what always comes mm-hmm. in my head after I say the year 2000. Noel and Noel bring Hira home to the apartment because she has a heart murmur, which oh, mm. okay, I don't know why that's a reason to bring this that fucking means, huge that ass means, dog. So,
0: you know the phrase the heart wants what the heart wants. Mm. That comes from heart murmurs because a lot of people think heart murmurs are like something that's wrong with you and like fucking. No, up no, they're like just whispering die. their what it's their
1: their like, wants and needs. It's like you should be gay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what the heart murmurs. That yours doesn't do that? No, Chomsky, your, your heart doesn't tell you wait am I the only one whose heart just constantly All right, anyway, tells them to have gay sex uh, okay wow
1: Okay, stop. a couple months later they get a report that Bane is sickly and in bad shape that's a quote mm-hmm. so because he's sickly and in bad shape they bring him to live with, this other, with Hira at their apartment in Pack Heights in San Francisco
0: right on and from the beginning These are bad dogs. They uh (laughs) like like I you know, people say, you know, there's like, I don't know, I'm not I'm not Christian. We don't do this in Judaism, but like I know in Christianity there's like the thing that all dogs go to heaven. Mm. I think that's like really theologically unsound, but whatever. Um these dogs are not going to heaven. These dogs are fucking terrors. And like they have tons they start biting other dogs, they start fucking like Lunging at people all of paul's name excuse me not all paul's neighbors all of the no-no couple's neighbors are like terrified of them uh but that doesn't stop they even i think actually they lunge at diane whipple and and possibly mm-hmm. bite her sharon says that they bit her the no the null or null, yeah, on uh, her wrist claims yeah, yeah yeah which i i tend to believe um that they, they uh you know they and, and this is actually fucked up so they uh the Noller and Noel are writing letters to Schneider, like basically daily at this point.
1: And- yeah. So wait, we need to we need to pause here because we need to talk about the relationship now with between Noller Noel, and Schneider. Wh- now that they have the dogs, because this is when uh, things get very weird. And if you think they've already been weird, just wait because they get freaky dicky. This is some freaky deaky shit.
0: So you know how we mentioned that Schneider was pretty adept at at at, at seducing women by the power of the pen?
1: Mm. Uh,
0: or, excuse me, by his quill? Mm. That's an even lamer way to say that. Uh, yeah. Well, it turns out that this sort of middle-aged dumpy couple was no exception. Um, <laughs> their letters had grown, let's say, more... Intimate as time goes on, and so they were representing. They were representing sh- Cornfed. Uh, I keep saying different things. I know you guys Paul all know Schneider, Cornfed, Cornfed. Just yeah. keep
1: up. It's fine.
0: PCFS. That's his like full initials. Paul Cornfed Schneider. Mm. Um, but uh, but you know, they, they, so they're his lawyers. So they actually have privileged communication with him, meaning that the prison guards can't really leave their letters. I think that like the top sheet. They maybe can read just because it's like open or whatever, but like oh, the rest of it in there is, is technically it's like attorney-client stuff, so they can't actually read it. And it turns out that uh, that that their letters to Paul had over the course of the years grown a lot friendlier than lawyers usually get. Uh, in fact, so friendly that uh, that you might call them insanely horny and sexual and like it, like I I, I don't even know really how to describe it. Like it's like essentially what Marjorie would say, and Marjorie was the one who did the bulk of communication, sort of the sexual way, but she would say stuff like, well, when I'm like doing, and she would list a group, a number of increasingly uh, obscure and esoteric sexual acts to Robert, her husband, she would, she would, she would essentially say that that Paul's spirit was within Robert, and so she was technically having a threesome. So, like, what what they're what they're what? doing here is like essentially like uh, layman's possession here. Like, Paul, I assume, would do some odinous ritual, and he would leave his cell, and he would enter into a fat, middle-aged, failing lawyer's body, and then Marjorie Nola would suck him off, and she would describe this in uh, scintillating detail. In
1: his uh, yeah uh they sent like between march and december in 2000 they had there was like a hundred letters sent to and received between the two of them it's insane
0: so actually here's a quote from after the couple picked up the uh the dog um th- this is from robert actually this isn't from marjorie he says bane was confident proud and handsome bane has an eye for the ladies and when he sees Marjorie, he rolls over on his back and bam, that big red arrow came out. Boy, was that dog hung. That, Why would you
1: say well, that? That's so fucking weird. So like,
0: it's, it's, I, I mean, essentially they became entangled into this kind of like, well, it's, it's really a love triangle. I, I, I mean, in a lot of these letters, like, you know, I, I will say like, It wasn't just like Marjorie or Paul described doing sexual acts, but they became sort of figments of this fantasy that they had. Marjorie referred to Robert as the king, and Paul as their prince, and they would write these sort of like Tolkien-esque like fantasy things of like going on the hunt and shit like that. When the authorities raided Schneider's cell, one of the drawings they found was of a woman spread eagled with like an axe going in her uh, in her hoo ha. With a couple of uh, with Bane and Hera behind her, and uh, oh my and Bane God. and Hera,
1: so it's like they're like mythological beasts. to Yeah, them.
0: yeah. Well, especially to Paul, he's never you know he's never met these dogs or anything. There is one report too about how uh, well well, and, and this is sort of foreshadowed in the letters. Is that Marjorie at one point? is like the next time we come and visit you and have like our attorney client thing, we'll be doing stuff under our clothes, um, you know, meaning masturbating. And the next time they visited, indeed, uh, the prison authorities say that they actually they visited him for three hours, and then the authorities had to wash off the windows and clean up the ground afterwards. What? Yes. Probably from cum. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, they were busting nuts.
1: Okay. Okay, OK, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All
0: right. All right. All right. But 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 once the dog gets in, I mean, Robert basically him like Marjorie is, of course, obsessed with it as well. But Robert's the way Robert talks about it is insane. One of his friends was like, uh, after this whole kind of case came about, uh, I think in speaking to the press, he said, yeah, Robert basically would talk about literally nothing else but the size of Bane's balls. Like, that was, like, the only topic of conversation for him.
1: That's, like, a weird cuck thing. Yeah, oh, that's
0: totally what this is. I mean, it's, it's like, they... Is he getting cucked by the dog? Well, I think we should, would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that... So, a lot of Paul's letters have come out, and, like, a lot of this was presented mm. as evidence in the case. There is some evidence that remains sealed, which, according to people who have seen it, Does describe both letters and photographs of Marjorie fucking the dogs.
1: What? So, wait, seriously? Yeah,
0: you know how like people have sex?
1: No, wait, no, I don't mean that. I just mean like, I didn't know that. Yes,
0: (laughs) yes, that is the case. I mean, it's always been like, so, so, I mean, sort of in local legend, this has always kind of been like something that's floated around the case. I know. Did they or didn't they? I should say,
1: like, I remember when this happened, everyone was sort of like, there's, it was in the, the air, in the media circus. It wasn't explicit, but it was out there. Yeah. The rumors. Yeah,
0: people are like, okay, yeah, they're fucking the dogs. Like, but, but like, it was never proven. And I mean, I will stop. I'll tell you this. Until my dying fucking day, I will stop at nothing to get this evidence into the light, to show it, to, to get the tr- The truth will out, people. Truth
1: will out. <laughs> Oh, oh my god the only foia you ever file <laughs>
0: i filed several about you
1: oh very funny mm-hmm, I, didn't find anything well did you? no
0: i well, i actually file about every woman i know because i always assume they're lying about my age or about their age excuse me and so i file foias to figure out the truth
1: mm, that's terrible method. <laughs> yeah it doesn't work <laughs> just steal their wallets
0: Oh yeah, no. W- w- women clutch their purses when I walk around. It's it's not. It's believe me. <laughs> if I could, I would.
1: Okay, so um, okay. You mentioned naked photographs. Mm. There's other photographs, right, of Marjorie? The ones that you sent yes. me. Yes, Marjorie. There are. Those are public. Yes,
0: and I'll post some of them. Uh, I guess with the episode too. Marjorie is, and
1: I I don't say this. Uh, <laughs> you just want an excuse to post I, them. Yeah, <laughs>
0: obviously I want an excuse to post. I post them like on my Instagram and stuff. Um. Marjorie is gnarly looking. Uh, and and like, okay, I get it. You're in fucking prison. Like, maybe
1: Oh you mean now? No,
0: no, 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 Back then Marjorie was ugly looking oh, oh. like all right, I have been locked away <laughs> yeah, in places where I couldn't get no Poonanny for like long periods of time. And I was never like I mean, this is like this is not the kind of person whose pictures you would jerk off over.
1: Yeah, but he's also looking at three years. T- I mean, three life sentences. Like he's never coming out.
0: Yeah, but like, why would you make that worse by like getting these
1: pictures? Like these are not well because you can no, you can only get what you get. I mean, yeah. I don't know what does Janet look well, like.
0: Yeah, not well. Uh, I shouldn't speak ill of Janet. She is a beautiful soul. But but in my head, like Paul wrote letters back to them, but but it kind of seems that like Marjorie and Robert were the ones that were like really pushing this kind of line.
1: I mean... Yeah, okay. It was, like, it's... It gets even grosser. Like, I keep saying that, but, like, it actually does. This is, like, uh, this is one letter that Robert writes to Schneider. or This is part of the letter, a long letter. It just starts, On the adoption, which is, like, wait a second, what? But I'll keep going. On the adoption, I believe that Marjorie and I... Do have an appreciation of what it means to you? My letters since the one of the 31st go into more of my feelings on the matter. We will have talked about this, I think, in considerable detail when we are together. It is the one form of legal action which can join the three of us in a binding family unit. If it were permitted to be accomplished through a second marriage, that would have been the medium. But we have become a family, and Marjorie and I are prepared to go as far as possible to formalize that arrangement. Like,
0: what the fuck? So, to put that in, in, in sort of plainer terms, Paul was not only their client. He was not only the third in their self-described triad. He was legally their son,
1: Oh, man. Okay, so we were a little ambitious when we were doing this this (laughs) episode, and we thought we could do this all in one episode. Turns out, nope. There's too much to talk about. We haven't even talked about the murder. Well, we planned
0: this one. We're like, well, we did a lot of research for the other ones. Like, let's do like a really easy one for a
1: second. And then... Yeah, like we both remember this story. This is from our childhood. I have spent every waking it It's kind of fucked up minute. how this is a story from our childhood. I, this was
0: like... This has been a story that like... Whenever people move here, I always... I'm, I relish at being able to tell them this story. You know what I'm literally going to do after we stop recording tonight? I'm going to walk down to that yeah. house.
1: Yeah, you should. absolutely. It was... Yeah. I, I know exactly where mm-hmm. it is, too. Quite famous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, we got to get it. We're going to record part two. And uh, this story doesn't get weirder, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: it it, it's, uh, it is, well, I guess you'll just have to see Brothers and Sisters. But, and by which I mean, please don't look it up before you listen to part two. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm Liz. My name is Brace. What it is. I'm not
1: lying. We're joined by producer Young Chomsky, <laughs> too. Young Chomsky. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>